The government is launching response measures as China continues to suspend more and more Taiwanese products from import. So far, China's move has affected 2,409 Taiwanese companies, of which 1,800 say they won't try to apply for import permits again. Beijing claims that the companies had incorrectly filled in the relevant application forms required to comply with a new set of customs registration rules it launched earlier this year. China has continued to suspend imports of some Taiwanese agricultural products. Critics say Taiwan's central government had not prepared well enough for an expected shift in China's customs rules. On Sunday, Deputy Health Minister Victor Wong said that Beijing is not responding to Taiwan's attempts to discuss the matter. We've been singled out in comparison with how other countries are being treated. Originally, China had granted import permits to more than 3,000 Taiwanese products. But with the start of China's new customs registration rules, imports for more than 2,400 types of products were suspended. From December 8th to December 10th alone, the number of products allowed for import was further slashed from 1,006 to just 792. Taiwan's Food and Drug Administration says China rejected the registration applications on the ground that the documents and production licenses submitted did not meet its specifications. A lawmaker says China is using trade to put pressure on Taiwan. It's frustrating. China is the one who's doing bad things and not respecting World Trade Organization rules. But in the end, people in Taiwan just blame the government. Under these circumstances, Taiwan's government has to work hard and do more. Among the 2,409 companies affected, about 1,800 say they won't try to resubmit the documentation, saying they don't want to put the trust in China again. The central government is launching policies to market the products in Japan and Southeast Asia. Trade between Taiwan and China has fallen to just 30% of what it used to be. It's a very clear drop. We have experience in selling seafood products in other countries. Those attempts were successful because China is not actually Taiwan's biggest export market for seafood. That title is actually Japan's. The remaining companies will be assisted by three government agencies. The Council of Agriculture will advise businesses on processing their products in Southeast Asia, sell them domestically, as well as tapping into new markets. The Ministry of Economic Affairs will assist processing firms with matters such as loans and utilizing the internet to sell products. The Ministry of Finance, which governs alcohol sales, will try to help companies take part in international competitions as well as hold exhibitions in Taiwan to boost sales and competitiveness. China often uses these so-called administrative barriers to disturb trade. The key to respond is to spread the markets of Taiwan's exports to sell the products in other markets. I think Taiwan has already seen some success in that. The government hopes to set up an interministerial management mechanism to export and process seafood products. Taiwan has been at the end of Chinese import bans for many years now. The government will respond as it has in previous occasions, opening up new markets both abroad and in Taiwan, as well as improving the quality of the products. That way, firms won't be so reliant on China and find a way for their own in other places. President Tsai Ing-wen on Monday sat with the winners of a recent cybersecurity competition. In her address, she stressed that cybersecurity was tantamount to national security, adding that the government hopes to raise the digital literacy of Taiwan's public to better recognize misinformation. At the same time, the government hopes to strengthen security measures at high levels in the government. Let's hear what she said. 
Cybersecurity is national security. That is the important message that my government has been trying to convey. External forces often disseminate disinformation in an attempt to lead the public astray. That is a form of cognitive warfare. Be it cyber attacks on our information systems or the propagation of misinformation, both are a threat to democracy. On the front of industry, we must continue to implement information security measures and protect intellectual property rights. We must work together with more international allies to build resilient and secure supply chains. I hope that with a joint effort, Taiwan's information security defenses and response mechanisms can be improved to boost Taiwan's resilience overall. Last week, the Ministry of Digital Affairs enacted new rules banning public agencies from downloading and using Chinese short-form video hosting service TikTok amid security concerns. However, the rules only apply to the executive yuan and government agencies under it. At an interpolation session on Monday, Executive Yuan Secretary General Li Mengyan said further discussions would be held with the other four yuans to extend the rules to all central government bodies. Lawmakers on Monday questioned members of the executive yuan on a new subsidy program to remove authoritarian symbols in Taiwan. The Ministry of the Interior on November 28th finalized the budget offering up to 100,000 NT for the removal of each statue of former leaders Chiang Kai-shek or Jiang Jingguo. It also covers things such as name changes to institutions that carry authoritarian connotations. Statues of Chiang Kai-shek across Taiwan continue dotting the island. Back in November, the Ministry of the Interior earmarked a budget offering subsidies to local government institutions and public schools to remove authoritarian symbols. That includes up to 100,000 NT for the removal of statues of former leaders Chiang Kai-shek and Jiang Jingguo. Mm -hmm. A subsidy of 100,000 NT, what do you think? As you've mentioned, there are authoritarian symbols in schools to take care of. It's only been half a year since the Interior Ministry assumed responsibility of this matter. So whether by providing subsidies or moving the statues elsewhere, all that will be undertaken at the Interior Ministry's discretion. The subsidies are available to local government schools and NGOs for things such as removing authoritarian relics or undergoing a name change. Currently, there are more than a thousand statues of Chiang Kai-shek and Jiang Jingguo in the country, and the removal of each statue is eligible for a subsidy of up to 100,000 NT. The subsidy program had been enacted November 28th, but not all members of the public think the statues should be removed. Young people today rather dislike him, so I think it's better to remove his statues. They're like antiquities, no need for removal. The key to successfully implementing transitional justice in Taiwan is not money, rather it's public opinion, whether it supports and accepts transitional justice or not. So I think this has to be done through education. Once everyone has a good understanding of democracy and Taiwan's history with authoritarianism, then the statue celebrating autocracy will gradually disappear from our lives. Lowering the costs to institutions should be helpful in promoting the removal of authoritarian symbols. I hope our education can emphasize anti-authoritarianism so that it takes root in the hearts of people. Only that can prevent an authoritarian regime from taking over again. Taiwan's government continues working to find ways to deal with its autocratic past and implement transitional justice. The Super Central Bank Week has kicked off in which numerous central banks around the world all announced their benchmark interest rates in the same week. 
This week, apart from Taiwan's central bank, the U.S. Federal Reserve, the European Central Bank, and the Bank of England are all slated to announce new benchmarks. During a legislative hearing on Monday, Central Bank Governor Yang Jinglong did not say whether rates will be raised for the fourth consecutive time this Thursday. He said the decision will depend on the inflation rate and by how much Taiwan's economic growth will be affected by the rest of the world. Although an announcement is yet to be made, the stock market is already bracing for a rate hike. On Monday, the TIEX at one point plummeted by a whopping 166 points. TSMC and MediaTek had a lackluster day. All in all, Taiwan shares closed down 0.63% at 14,612 points on turnover of 151.5 million NT, a record low for the year. The World Skills Competition 2022 took place in 15 countries across Europe, the Americas, and Asia between September 7th and November 26th. Taiwan's contest contestants for the Vocational Skills Competition won six golds, 13 silvers, and six bronzes in total, ranking third globally for the number of medals won. The competition tests contestants' abilities in areas such as automobile technology, beauty therapy, and plastering and drywall systems. To recognize the winner's accomplishment, the Ministry of Labor on Monday held a ceremony to hand out cash prizes to the winners. Wrapped in the national team flag, contestants for Taiwan rushed to the stage when announced a winner at the World Skills Competition 2022. Some on Team Taiwan took the oath in Taiwanese Hokkien, so the world could hear one of Taiwan's native languages. Even Premier Su Zhen was touched by this simple gesture. The contestants took the oath in Taiwanese, like Zhang Jianxiong. That's impressive. You did it in your mother tongue and did it so fluently in front of the whole world. I believe your own mother was happy and so were the Taiwanese people. At the World Skills Competition 2022, Taiwan's national team backed six golds, 13 silvers, six bronzes, and 17 medallions for excellence, ranking third for the number of medals won. This was also Taiwan's best showing ever at the competition. This year, we will hand out more than 33 million NT in prize money. We're all very happy to hand out the prizes and hope that we'll do even better. Apart from the cash prizes, there are also scholarships for the winners. The Education Minister also has a selection procedure in place for members of our national team for them to become teachers of vocational schools. Apart from cash prizes, the contestants also stand a chance to become public school teachers to pass on their skills. Now that TSMC is investing in a second fab in the U.S. state of Arizona, it has become a focus of global media attention. International commentators say that becoming indispensable in international supply chains, TSMC is now a major part of a silicon shield that protects Taiwan. An industry insider says if Taiwan became a powerhouse in semiconductors, then the U.S. would have to support and defend it. Local analysts, for their part, say China would not be reckless towards Taiwan as it would invite sanctions by major powers around the world. Let's hear from them now. TSMC will make countries around the world confer Taiwan with an increasingly higher status. Taiwan now has an absolutely indispensable role in geopolitical competition. 
Through this process, the company has become a shield. If TSMC is attacked by China, it would cause the whole world to condemn and oppose China. If we look at the market share of global wafer foundries, TSMC has reached 56%, which puts it well ahead of the pack. Compared with Samsung, which is ranked number two, TSMC probably has more than three times Samsung's market share. Actually, in the next 10 to 20 years, TSMC will have the absolute advantage in this industry. TSMC not only holds a leading position in advanced chip manufacturing processes in the world, but also has a large market share compared with its competitors. In addition to its advantages in technology and production capacity, the company offers one-stop service with strong chip design team. They're like the Hope Diamond of semiconductors. Everybody wants them, says an industry insider. The office of Taipei Mayor-elect Jiang Wan'an on Monday announced some of the officials that will lead the city with him. One of his deputy mayors will be Li Sichuan, who has previously served as deputy mayor in New Taipei and Kaohsiung. Meanwhile, the city's secretariat will be filled with people who previously worked in New Taipei for Yi's administration. Reports say the other deputy mayor position could be filled in by lawmaker Lin Yihua, who declined to comment on the matter. Taipei Mayor-elect Jiang Wan'an on Sunday joined a campaign event for the KMT's legislative by-election candidate Wang Hongwei. On Monday, he finally released an announcement on who will lead the capital with him. One of the deputy mayors will be Li Sichuan, who has previously been deputy mayor for Eric Chu in New Taipei and Han Guoyu in Kaohsiung. The position of secretary-general will be taken over by Li Taixing, who was previously head of New Taipei's finance department under Hou Youyi. New Taipei would like to wholeheartedly thank all these talented individuals in the country who have worked hard for New Taipei. Everyone has worked together for this land. After all, we are all part of this country. So if all these talented people can work in different areas, that will only be for the benefit of our country. Through unity, we can let all these skillful people do what they can do. During campaigning, Mayor Jiang Wanan spoke with Mayor Ho about bringing close cooperation between the two cities in the future. The Department of Transportation will be headed by Liu Minghong, who previously worked in the Transport Ministry. Wu Shengzhong will once again lead the Department of Environmental Protection. The Department of Urban Development will be headed by Wang Yufen, who is currently a board member in the National Housing and Urban Regeneration Center. Former Taipei City Councilor Chen Yongde will take over as the head of the Department of Civil Affairs. Taoyuan Metro CEO Zheng Defao will lead the Department of Rapid Transit Systems. And the Public Works Department and the Department of Land Administration will be headed by Huang Yiping and Chen Xinliang. The first announcement of officials focuses mainly on talents in infrastructure and engineering, which Jiang has said will be a top priority in his administration. Urban renewal is an important part of Mayor Jiang Wan'an's policy plans. Reports say Taipei's other deputy mayor could be lawmaker Lin Yihua. Should she take on the role before February 1st, that would trigger another by-election to fill in her seat in the legislative yuan. If she waits until February 1st or after to take over, no by-election will be held. 
as less than one year would have remained in her term, which expires on January 31, 2024. Taiwan reported 10,824 local COVID cases on Monday, a rise of 6% from last week, and the fourth day in a row with rising numbers. The CCC says factors contributing to the uptick, including waning immunity in society and the easing of COVID measures. Health officials on Monday responded to reports that Taiwan may see another COVID wave in January. They said that if a new wave does come, it won't be as big as the one from September to October of this year. Let's hear from the CECC. With the easing of COVID restrictions, reaching zero COVID infections is impossible. There will still be a small amount of spread in the community. Secondly, immunity to COVID wanes with time no matter if its protection is induced by vaccines or from an infection. As time passes, that protection wears off. If there is another wave, I think it won't be as big as the second one we had this year. The peak would be about half as high. The next wave will likely be driven by the XBB subvariant, and it will happen around January 6th. That's based on a model from Singapore on the interval between their BA5 wave and their XBB wave. Earlier this month, the CECC lifted Taiwan's outdoor mask mandate. Still, officials say they recommend wearing face masks at crowded events such as Christmas or New Year's parties. A discovery in Pingdong has astonished scientists. It's the largest and most complete fossilized whale ever unearthed in Taiwan. Paleontologists say it's a baleen whale that lived about 85,000 years ago. It took researchers from the National Museum of Natural Science and National Tengong University three months to excavate. Experts say when the whole skeleton is assembled, it might as long as 15 meters. A team from the National Museum of Natural Science and NCKU made the thrilling discovery here at Togo Village in Hengchun Township. Whoa! Perfect! Members of the team very carefully dig down. Every step must be taken with the utmost care, applying gypsum before moving the find. And this is it, a fossilized baleen whale that lived about 85,000 years ago. The team dug constantly for 90 days to successfully excavate the entire skeleton. But once it was out of the ground, transportation was equally challenging. The entire skeleton looked at in terms of its entirety is probably 12 to 15 meters long. We managed to excavate eight layers. I think it's incredibly significant for the field of cetacean paleontology. Just one of the lower jawbones of the fossilized whale is 2.23 meters long. Initial estimates suggest the whole skeleton could be even more than 15 meters long when reconstructed. The team found more than 70% of the animal's bones. The National Museum of Natural Science wants to authenticate exactly which species it is and why it came here and when. Those are all important questions, so these are our targets for collaboration between the museum and global experts. This is the largest and most complete fossil of a whale ever unearthed in Taiwan. The team hopes it can be studied and reconstructed soon. 
Then, visitors to the museum can come meet this ancient leviathan face to face. Photographers are raving about one of Taiwan's many stunning natural wonders, the Sea of Clouds. Midwinter is the perfect time to enjoy this particular climate marvel. Up in Nantou, there are many tall mountains, great for gazing down on the waves of clouds, like waves rolling over low land. We take a look at some of the best spots to enjoy the view and ask a weather expert why it's such a regular treat in the winter. The northeast monsoon clouds sweep in like a tidal wave in this time-lapse footage from 1,500 metres above sea level at Dalun Shan Lookout in Lugu Township. Meanwhile, this is Wang Galiao on the new central Cross Island Highway in Xinyi Township, 1,400 metres above sea level. Another great spot to gaze down on an airy sea. Clouds roll across the mountains and valleys like this when a new weather front comes in. At night time, the city lights peek through the clouds like nuggets of amber in a fairy cave. It's colder in winter than in summer, so we're more likely to see clouds condense. It's lower here, so when the water vapour comes in, low-lying clouds or mist will form in higher regions. If you stand in higher areas and look down, you can observe a sea of clouds. This meteorologist explains that from later fall to early spring, or November to March, is the best time of the year to catch the sea of clouds in action. There's a chance to enjoy a view like this from any of Taiwan's many high-altitude peaks.